There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. For all you non-believers, disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back. It's another edition of NFL Friday, the last one of the 2023 regular season and the first one of the new year, recording this on January 5th, 2024. If you haven't had the chance, a happy new year to all the listeners. We're excited to bring you this episode this week. I am Brian Raybacks. This week, I am pleased to be joined by Maddie Bamonte and Evan Harkin as we get through this last episode of the regular season. Before we get into it, guys, uh, 2024, how, how's everyone's new year going? Hope it's off to a fresh and fun start. Maddie, how's, how's your new year going? My new year's going great. Uh, I've started off on a great foot. Um, and I'm because it started off on such a good foot, obviously so blessed to be here today filling in. Um, I saw this as like a last minute thing and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take this initiative to talk, to talk for the last week of the season. It's going to be great. Yeah. Longer season now. Super excited. Um, this is the best time of football for sure. In my opinion, uh, new year, you got the college football playoffs in full swing. The NFL is about to kick into playoffs. So. Couldn't think of a better time to be on an NFL Friday. We're in week 18, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Playoff implications, some crazy calls from last week, a little stuff in New York going on. Before we get into anything, we have Maddie on the show, so I just have to ask. We talked about it a little bit in our pre-planning kind of planning of the show, but you're the Carolina resident here, so I just want to yeah. address something that happened with regarding the Carolina Panthers this past week, their owner throw, throwing a drink on a Jacksonville Jaguars fan after another Carolina Panthers loss. Just, Maddie, what's going on? Like, what's going It seems like things just keep getting worse for the Panthers. What What's happening? I, you know, <laughs> I think the franchise has gone down so far that what is $300,000? What is, what is it now? <laughs> so I have nothing to say other than the guy had like the owner had it coming build a better team maybe get less mad against jacksonville and we could have a better season but unfortunately here we are bank of america stadium is very boring i've been so nothing much to say other than poor showing T- typical he was he was pounding but he wasn't really doing the right thing <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's an insane video cuz i saw on twitter that one one account was like, oh, he spilled his drink. He didn't spill his drink. He, oh, he, he did not. He threw it on a fan. <laughs> and like in the video, I can't even like really see a fan like chirping at him. So it, it begs the question, like, did he just 
throw it at a fan. I don't know. There's so many bizarre questions. I think the thing is, is they should have put him on the field instead of Bryce Young at the end of the day. And so <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. So, I mean, they, they did sell their whole future and invest in Bryce Young and they got a nice two and 14, potentially two and 15 season out of it. So good for the Carolina Panthers, but we got that out of the way. So we'll move on to, we'll start with the giants. And again, not a lot of interesting things going on here. They're a five and 11 team. They're, playing for draft position at this point. So I don't want to ruin everyone's time and preview the game this weekend against the Eagles because they'll probably lose to the Eagles because they just never find a way to win. But the interesting story that was going around this week was a couple of Saquon Barkley quotes. And his contract is up after this year. Obviously, he was placed under the franchise tag, so he will be a free agent. But regarding his future... His quotes were, I've mentioned before that I wanted to be a giant for life. I wanted to leave a legacy here, but it's out of my control. Me saying I want to be a giant for life, like I did last year, doesn't help or hurt. So essentially, Saquon realizes it's a business, and he's learned that through his initial negotiations with the Giants over the summer. So with this, there's a very real possibility that he doesn't come back, especially with the way this season went. So... I'll pose the question to Maddie first. Is Saquon Barkley coming back to the Giants? Or is it a should he, but will he? Because it's one thing if he should, but is he going to? That's really the question. So, Maddie, where do you think Saquon Barkley ends up and what's his future hold in New York? I just think the Giants kind of need to really reshift their focus right now. I think this season, um, very lackluster in what it could have been. And I think that, the Saquon Barkley contract negotiation has kind of just been so dragging for me over the past like summer and now here. And it's difficult because I see the potential with Barkley a lot. I see what he can do. He, you know, obviously is that star power on that offensive line. He obviously did not perform to the same level as like his elite status that we have seen he could do this year. Um, he's still not off. He's tied for eight eighth and carries this season but I think the problem is is management obviously is not willing to budge on this and I think finally Barkley has realized that I think that there was a lot of money put into the Daniel Jones debacle and now the Saquon Barkley situation I think they just are not going to budge in the way I think maybe Giants fans would want to see Barkley return and I think finally he's realized that I think there's definitely still a ceiling he hasn't hit with the Giants. I think that's still a potential for him. I just don't think the Giants are going to take this opportunity to really go in on this contract. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Maddie. And I, I just feel bad for Saquon, honestly, as a Giants fan. The Giants really haven't, I feel like, given him any reason to stay since he's been drafted to the team. They haven't been good. They haven't given him a good O-line to run behind ever. You know, it's he's had some injuries and, even from the Giants, so from a Saquon Barkley standpoint, that makes me think he would leave. The only thing that I could think about would be intriguing him to stay is kind of the market of New York. You know, you you finish a Giant and you're on SNY or you're on some New York network and you're going to make more money that way after your career. So I think Saquon understands that too, saying he wants to be a Giant for life and all this. But I think it's kind of starting to be in the Giants' best interest to also let him go. You know, a good running back isn't much behind a terrible offensive line. We've seen that this past season 
with Saquon Barkley. And, you know, he's 27 now. Going to the 27 to 29 years was the, would be the contract we'd have to give him. I don't know if you want to bank on a running back coming off some injuries in his career, a couple big ones, an ACL, an ankle injury. So I, I think it might be best for both teams to kind of part ways here. Just a wrong place, wrong time relationship for the Giants and Saquon so far. It's just really hard for me as a Giants fan to really kind of make a kind of objective decision here. I mean, because first of all, I have his jersey hung up on my wall right next to me. me so <laughs> obviously, like, he means a lot to Giants fans like myself, and it means a lot to the team. His teammates love him and everything, and he's really been a workhorse this year. You look at the way this season has gone. You remember that New York Jets game where he got like 30 carries and because they could only run the football in that game because they were playing Tommy DeVito for the first time. It's just so difficult just to see him be asked to do so much on the offense, and then when it comes to contract negotiations and he asks reasonably to be paid, they won't give it to him because he's a running back. It's just so hard and he's such a leader too it just i think it, it's leaning towards he's not going to come back because realistically if you had to ask me now they're probably not bringing daniel jones back at least he's not the long-term option and i think joe shane at least might just want a reset a get rid of the dave gettleman guys and everyone that came before that and let's get a new influx of talent here i think that's where this is headed as awful as it is for Saquon, because he's still an elite running back. You still see him break out those big runs and think, wow, this guy's really talented. And who knows? Maybe he does keep it up for the next three years because he is supposed to be like the most talented running back of this generation. But just the way it's gone right now, it's hard to really see the Giants wanting to bring back all these guys that really came before him other than Dexter Lawrence, of course, talking about the Joe Shane regime. So I kind of like what you said, Evan. It's a wrong place, wrong time situation. But as a fan, I, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that this Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles might be the last time Saquon Barkley takes the field as a giant. I don't know. I don't know, guys, if you want to console me a little bit, but it's really hard for me to wrap my head around that as a Giants fan. No, I think it's sad. And I because what sucks is he's a New York guy. So you're losing not only a guy that you mentioned, Brian, is also a great guy off the field as well. So you're losing just character. You're losing somebody with this history. It's just the problem of this franchise really needs to do a 180. And if you start saying, well, I want to save this guy and keep him as a rebuild, like, you're still going to get nowhere. This really has to be a total overhaul for the Giants, I think, to see the success that they want to see and to be where they want to be. And so I think while difficult to let this guy go, there's just so much more that I think the Giants can do, meaning they get rid of this contract. Yeah, as a Giants fan, probably the second saddest I'll be to see a player leave if he does, if the Eagles game is the last time behind Eli Manning, probably. But like you said, I mean, I bet every Giants fan has a Saquon Barkley jersey somewhere. He's he's the star of the team. He's been the guy on the team since 2016. So it will, it will be very sad. And I, I kind of go back to this point that these Giants are like, they're like a 1990 Camry with like a spoiler and like nice wheels where like you don't have the things you really need, like a good offensive line, but then you just have a nice running back and you can't, that doesn't work. You can't just build from the outside in. You really have to start going inside out. Like you said, maybe a reset button is what the Giants really need here, Brian. I got 
Saquon on my wall. It's a blue. It's a blue Saquon jersey, just to be descriptive. And then right next Same. to him, the white number thirteen Odell jersey. I mean, those those two guys were were the franchises for at one point in time, and now Saquon might be on his way out. I mean, obviously, no no regrets in getting the jersey because he was yeah. a Giants guy. But overall, it's really really hard that he might not come back, despite all he's given to the Giants and. But everything, but who knows? Maybe they come to some sort of agreement. Maybe it gets franchise tagged again. Who knows? But that's kind of where the Giants are at right now. Again, they're at five and eleven on the season. They play the Eagles next week, and they currently have, I think, the fifth overall pick in the draft. So if they win, they're only going to do themselves a disservice, really, in that regard. But it's nice to beat the Eagles, so who knows? And it might be a snow game on Sunday if you've seen that it's supposed to snow in the local New York area. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, moving on now, we'll talk, I don't know, maybe the Jets factor in a little bit into this conversation because we're going to talk about Joe Flacco here. Flacco is with the Jets last year and just like wasn't doing much of anything. His career looked finished. He seemed done. No team was calling him. Nothing, and then all of a sudden, a couple of injuries, and the Cleveland Browns bring him into their practice squad, and all of a sudden, Joe Flacco is looking like elite Joe Flacco again. Like, this is crazy, the career resurgence that this man has had as quarterback of the Cleveland Browns late in the year. It's crazy. The Browns beat the Jets on Thursday Night Football, and with that, they clinch a playoff spot. So, And Joe Flacco is a huge, huge, huge piece of that. And you have to wonder where this Browns team would be without him right now if they were playing the backups to Deshaun Watson, if, the, if Deshaun Watson was still there. Like, Joe Flacco looks a lot better than Deshaun Watson did at the start of the season. So this Browns team has been a lot of fun to watch recently. Joe Flacco has four straight games of 300-plus passing yards. I don't even remember when the last time he had a 300-yard passing game before this year was. So it's just been a wild and fun ride, and he's really kind of taken over a, the story in the NFL and seems to be cementing himself in the comeback player of the year conversation. So, Evan, I'll throw it to you first here on this one. Just where did this come from? How is Joe Flacco just playing this well at this point in his career now with the Browns? What's going on? Yeah, it is flat out awesome to see Flack attack just hop in and start throwing seam balls. He really plays kind of like that earlier 2000s quarterback style that we used to see the Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Tom Brady play where they just take a three-step drop back and throw a ball 20-plus yards, not really care. There's none of that none of that West Coast offense receiver screens going on in Joe Flacco's head. He's thinking downfield, downfield, downfield. And I think it really works with the Browns' defense, and that's what's allowing Joe Flacco to play this way. You know, he does have more touchdowns than the Jets and the same amount as a lot of other teams while only playing five games, which is funny, but – he also does have 13 touchdowns to eight picks. That's not a great number, but you can throw eight interceptions when you have the one of the best defenses in the league in the Browns. So it's okay if you're throwing three touchdowns and two picks and only having a 55% completion percentage if you have that defense to back you up. So I think the way Joe Flacco played quarterback really suits this Browns team perfectly, and I'm excited to see what they can do together in the playoffs. Yeah, especially when you bring up the playoffs and how good he is. Before I even talk about that, though, Joe Flacco, my birthday twin, we share really? the same birthday. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I was I was very ecstatic to see him actually have this resurgence because it gives creds to 
the best day of the year. Maybe he'll give you a share of his Super Bowl ring if, if he gets there. You know what? I'll tweet at him and I'll be like, hey, Joe, <laughs> it's my birthday too, please. Um, but like I, we were talking about with the playoffs, he historically has just been phenomenal in the playoffs when you look at his his stats um he has more playoff wins than drew Brees. he has like a better win percentage than peyton manning like across the board this guy just has i think been the moment that the browns needed and especially when we talk about how he's meshed well with the defense um how he's done well on fourth downs in the past couple of games i think joe flacco has just been a breath of fresh air for them even though he is a guy who's a dad of five who's been in the league for years at this point and and I think this like his rough performances that he has had he's still been so excellent in the postseason I think this is what they needed I think this is like their perfect guy for the postseason um and I think like you mentioned thrown for at least 300 yards over the last four games it's been just great to see, I think, because especially with all the situation with Deshaun Watson, you didn't really want kind of another bad story to hit the Browns anytime soon. And I think this is finally a feel good for them going into the playoffs. It's kind of a great mentality that they, I think, have. I don't know why I keep bringing up the New York Jets, maybe to just rag on them. But you look at Joe Flacco when he played quarterback last year, dead offense, just doing nothing and a lot of people kind of put that on Flacco to think oh Flacco's finished but now with all the Jets offensive issues this year it might like lead me to believe that oh maybe that was a New York Jets problem and not a Joe Flacco problem because you look at what he's doing in Cleveland now it's really remarkable I mean no one saw this coming when they signed Joe Flacco off of his couch and just said I think he was supposed to start just like one game against the Rams and then they'll see make decisions from there. But no one saw this kind of run coming. And you look at the Browns now, people are picking them as like kind of a dark horse team in the AFC. And if you want to look at the overall AFC playoff picture now, the Baltimore Ravens are obviously the top dog. But you look at other teams like Miami, Kansas City, Whoever wins the AFC South and then wildcard teams such as right now the Buffalo Bills and we'll see who shapes out afterwards. But I mean, this AFC is very kind of wide open in the sense where maybe the Browns could make some sort of run, at least to an AFC championship. I could see it happening. I don't know if you guys kind of feel the same way, but this Browns team has been fun to watch. And Evan, like you've been saying, this defense is so good and really can make a lot of noise in the playoffs. And if Flacco keeps throwing the way that he is, this could really be something if they can pull one off against maybe the Baltimore Ravens in the second round. I mean, that would be a great matchup. Just Flacco against the Ravens on the road. That would just yeah, be that, mm-hmm. that would be awesome. I think what, that's what we're all kind of hoping to see a little bit, him take down the Ravens, you know. He's always had that, is Flacco elite? Is he holding the Ravens down for his whole earlier career? So for him to come in uh, now at like 40 years old and beat them in the playoffs would be awesome. But that defense is only second to the Ravens in the AFC. And they, they're they're kind of on par with the Ravens. They're not far off. It is really serious, and it's young too. So it's really fun to watch that defense play. A great secondary. If anything, they don't have the best of linebackers, but they, they back that up with Miles Garrett and an amazing D-line great offensive line the only hole they had was the quarterback position and Flacco filling that nice so I think the Browns can really go as far as Flack attacks going to take them 
Well, the playoffs are coming up. Joe Flacco is playing the way that he was 10 years ago. The Browns are red hot right now, so we'll have to wait and see what he has in store. The Browns, I think, are resting all of their starters this week against the Bengals because, I mean, looking at this line, the Bengals are seven-point favorites, so it looks like yeah. the Browns are just going to wait. And I think they have the fifth seed locked up because the Ravens did clinch the North, so... We'll see Joe Flacco again come playoff time. And like Maddie said, that's where he is at his best. So moving on to more kind of playoff discussions, the matchup that had some playoff implications last week. And this kind of had to be addressed on this episode. Uh, the ending to the Lions-Cowboys game. Uh, I don't really understand what happened. You had Decker, the offensive tackle, Apparently, there's a video of him going up to the referee, reporting is eligible. The refs reported the wrong person is eligible. And then they get the two-point conversion that they converted called back. And the whole thing is just a mess. It looks like, on paper, an egregious, egregious mistake by the officiating crew that was there. Maddie, I'll start you, with you here. What, what the heck? Like, how in a game... Like that on a Monday or Monday night football special on Saturday night where there's two playoff teams going at it. You have supposed to have a great officiating crew ready and then they miss something like that to have a direct impact on the game. The Lions should be furious. Like, how does this happen? You can't let this happen in a game like that. What, what are your thoughts on the disaster that happened in Dallas? What's so crazy is I think the situation still is not clear at all to anybody because there are so many different stories coming out of this with um with skipper coming out and saying he didn't report so whatever mike mccarthy was saying that skipper reported i got confirmation skipper reported so decker was an was ineligible all of this stuff coming out and then so but but the confusing thing for me and i went when i was re-watching the end of the game is kind of how the Cowboys are rationaling this, like with Mike McCarthy saying Skipper was reported to him as eligible, so Decker was ineligible. Why did they have a safety following Decker into the end zone? Hey. I don't un I don't understand that. So I, I, I really don't understand. This is really, to me, just an egregious mess up by the officiating crew. I don't really believe with the cow what Mike McCarthy saying at all. Maybe that's just me hating on the Cowboys. I really just don't trust Mike McCarthy in this situation. And so to me, this is just a really poor, poor situation for the Lions. And there's really nothing they can do. The NFL is kind of doubling down on whatever they've said. They sent that memo out. The and at this point, it kind of just seems like everybody wants to move on, but to a certain degree, this was the one of the biggest mistakes we've seen in officiating in a while. Yeah, 100%, Maddie. If you watch the video, you see three offensive linemen walk over to the referee. It's Piani Sewell, Decker, and um, Skipper. And all three of them are going, I think, with the intent of kind of disguising who would be the eligible guy. Because if you just send the eligible guy, the Cowboys defense is out there. They're, they're looking at that. Maybe they can even hear it with how close they are, so they'd be able to tell. I think the other two were going out there kind of to build a little bit of a wall around them. Then the Cowboys don't know which one of those three told the ref he was eligible. And then they kind of walk away. If you watch the referee starts jogging off with the whistle in his mouth as soon as they start to talk to him. So what I kind of think what happened is the referee 
heard one of the three of them say he was eligible, didn't really look into the face mask to see which one it was and called the guy he thought was eligible, which is inexcusable as a referee. Uh, if it was a player, we'd call it inexcusable. He'd have a press conference where he gets exposed for it. I think referees should start having press conferences, especially when they have such big mistakes like this. And I, I love the point you made about the safety following Decker, Maddie. I didn't even think about that, but that that truly is something weird. If if someone else was reported eligible, why would they follow a complete different offensive lineman? That is an odd thing. But I don't know what Dan Campbell's doing, going for two from the seven yard line. Even well, that's after. a that's a whole different thing. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Because by that point, they get the five-yard penalty, and then they're at the seven, and he's still going for it? Like Still going? I don't know. He was, he was being aggressive that whole game, and I like Dan Campbell a lot, but that that didn't make a lot of sense. But no. just overall, the, the NFL is really lucky that this game didn't mean, like, a crazy ton in terms of the playoffs, at least for the Lions. Now, this it's does impact the NFC East, where the Cowboys – would have lost and the Eagles still I think would be ahead in the NFC East but just overall this is just how does this happen and I think you even saw earlier in before the game Dan Campbell went up to the referee crew and explained to them hey something like this might happen so just be ready for it and then when that situation comes in the game they can't recognize it like there's so many questions to be asked here like I think I think Evan, I think you have it perfectly where the two other linemen, Sewell and Skipper, are obviously just going out there to disguise themselves just to walk over. And obviously Decker's going over there to report. Like he's not just walking over to the refs and being like, Hey guys, like last play here, like, woo, this is <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. Like, no, he's going there to report as eligible. And I think the Brad Allen officiating crew has gotten taken off of the playoffs which i think is the right call because i think they were also involved in a game the chiefs and packers where they were just missing pass interference calls but uh, i don't know it's exhausting at least for the lions they kind of knew where their playoff seating was they already had the nfc north clinch but if that was a big game like that should be a game that ends up getting protested i can't believe just how mishandled that was and the Lions can't catch a break in Dallas. It's just like that playoff game years ago where they had that flag picked up in the, in the playoffs. It's just so unbelievable. Like, how is this still happening? I think there's a different conversation to be had of just how bad officiating has been all year in the NFL. Like, this was just another adage to it. But, God, this it's just – I'm sick of NFL refs just having direct impact on games. I want it to be done. Like, can we do something about that? Yeah, I think we have to start having full-time refs. Uh, this is something Pat McAfee talked about as well. And the refs are part-time referees. A lot of them have other jobs. So there's just so much other things that they're focusing on. I'm sure they have like kids and stuff like that. But if we have full-time referees, you can develop those referees. You can, if that's their only job, you know, that's that's their only thing they're focused on. You can really develop them way better than a guy who has two different jobs. Maybe this is somewhat of a side hustle for them. You know, maybe that referee's, thinking about work in the morning while he's running away from the huddle instead of thinking about what he's really doing in the moment. So I think refs need to be held more accountable after games, maybe have press conferences. I like that the NFL is not allowing this crew in the playoffs, but I think all in all, we really have to look at the way we develop and hire these officials. 100%, because I think at this point, we were talking about earlier how 
it's almost like disheartening to try and make sneak plays like this. If you're just going to reveal all your cards to the other team, what's the point? If you're going up, they have a plan. It's it was clearly executed because Skipper said like uh, on like Wednesday where he was just like, you have to clearly say I am eligible. I am reporting. And he didn't do that. It to me, there's no excuse other than just poor management from this. And it, it's not going to change unless I agree, Evan, there's something like a full time ref. Well, at least for now, they're not officiating in the playoffs, this particular crew. So people want accountability for the officials. Well, it looks like we have some in this situation. And I think we're all in agreement. It's just an egregious mistake in a big game that just shouldn't be happening. Like, I don't know. It's just it's just mind numbing talking about it. Just a horrible mistake on their part. And the Lions, the Lions should have won. Plain and simple. So I don't know. I guess we'll see if this has any implications going forward and whatever. We'll wait and see these referees just be on their couch in January for the playoffs. So to wrap up this episode of NFL Friday, one of my favorite segments, I look forward to this every week, although I don't know if I should because I keep getting this horribly wrong every time I pick. It's the lock and dog of the week, and this one's going to be an interesting one for the playoff implications Maddie, is this your first time doing Lock and Dog of the Week? I believe it is. It is. This is my first time doing Lock and Dog. I'm very excited. How are you feeling? Because there's a, there's a lot of pressure when it comes to these picks because you, you're you kind of dead set on two games that kind of hold a lot in terms of your reputation and everything. Because <laughs> believe me, if you get them completely wrong like I have in the past week, maybe people will stop taking you seriously. So can you handle this kind of pressure? Because it's a lot I of I don't know. This this could be my make or break for this moment. <laughs> Maybe I'll be banned from the podcast if I really do that bad. But my last time I did like the entire NFL, I think I went like only two wrong picks. So I'm feeling oh. pretty good about my odds today. Not to jinx myself, but okay, feeling pretty good. And Evan, you've done this. I've done this on episodes with you before. So you know how this works. Have your picks been solid recently? I never hit the lock and I always hit the underdog, which yes. is like hilarious because that's the guy who I'm like, oh, this he might win. This team might win. I'll put him in. And then they end up blowing the other team out. My lock will lose by 20 points, but not this week. This week's different. Well, we'll start with the locks. Uh, I'll throw one out first. Selfishly, I'm looking at all these games and really, I'm going to say the Cowboys over the Commanders. This is probably a gimme and I kind of feel a little bad picking it first but that's the beauty I get of leading this discussion here so brownie points for me 13 point <laughs> favorites against the commanders who have just been absolutely dreadful the last couple of weeks I think the Cowboys can definitely cover that spread and obviously I think they went outright so my lock is going to be Cowboys over commanders Maddie, I'll throw it to you next. Who is your lock of week 18? Sorry, Brian, but I'm going to go the Eagles on this one. I had Oh, but that's but that's smart. That's really smart. I'm, I'm going with this one and I, people might disagree only because they didn't have the best December, but this is against the Giants and I feel that this is their moment to kind of set set the tone for how they're going to play in the playoffs and they need this win to go forward. And I think the Eagles really just have that potential to push it over playing a team like the giants. Now, I think it's just an Eagles lock for this one. Yeah, I'm going with 
not to hate on the Panthers anymore that we already have, man. I hate to do this. But I'm going with the Buccaneers. They're only minus four and a half. I thought that was a little odd to me. I it think is, they would be, right? I would think they'd be a little bit more. It's in Carolina, but we know about those 30-cent tickets in, in, in uh, Carolina. <laughs> I'm sure there won't be a lot of people at that game. But I think this is a total one team really wants to win because the uh, Buccaneers win. They're in the playoffs. And I don't think the Panthers want to win at all. You, you want a better draft pick. Your season's over. You can't make the playoffs. So I think this is a team that really wants to win against a team that doesn't want to win. So give me the Buccaneers. You know what? I think, hold on, just for that, I feel like I should go down to Charlotte for, for the game. I, feel <laughs> well, like I, I, I was just going to ask. It's a winning in game for the Buccaneers. You're right there. You cheer on the Panthers. Like, you got to go, right? What am I yeah. doing Sunday? Nothing. So maybe clear I will. <laughs> I've got to clear my schedule. <laughs> the entire schedule for the Buccaneers and the Panthers. And big, too, now that it's Evan's lock of the week, the yeah. Panthers. But we'll now move on to Dogs. I have a bit of a risky one here, and it's a game tomorrow that I'm going for. The Baltimore Ravens are underdogs against the Steelers because they're resting everybody, but I feel like this is just a textbook game that the Steelers, it's a trap game, and they're just going to lose. And I know the Steelers, they have to win to get into the playoffs, but I think Tyler Huntley, he's beaten the Steelers before, and you know what? In Baltimore, I think he's going to do it again, so... My underdog is going to be the Ravens over the Steelers, and the Ravens prevent them from getting into the playoffs. Evan, who's your dog? I'm going. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm going with the Jets here. Going with the oh, Jets. Oh no! Don't don't do it because I've done it so many times and been I know, so long. I know. <laughs> uh, but it's against the Patriots, and I think this game is the biggest game for the Jets all year. Because if I'm not mistaken, they haven't beaten the Patriots in a very long time. I think it's since plus 2015. Five years. 2015. That, that is way more than five years. So I think this means a lot to the Jets. And the Patriots, we know a team that anybody in the league can beat. I know the Patriots beat the Jets earlier this season to keep their streak alive. It means a lot to the Pats, too. Got to keep the little brother down there. But I think uh, I think the Jets' defense can really come through big in this one and uh, beat the Patriots finally. Maddie, you got you to gotta end it here with something big. Well, do we want – do I have to do, like, really, like, out there underdog, or could I go – You just for... have to do whatever you're comfortable with, whatever you're feeling. Can I do something different? Can I talk about a game that I'm just very interested this weekend? Yeah, yeah. So I'm very interested in the Bills-Dolphins game this week really? in particular. And – with everything going on with Buffalo and then compared to Miami, I think Miami going one and four against the five best teams that they've had this year is a really important stat to look at. And I think the Bills, regardless of how Josh Allen does under pressure, could be the deciding factor for this. I think technically the Bills are the favorite in the game. They which are, are, yes. Yeah, two and a half. Okay. Then, you know what? With this, seeing Miami going one and four in the last five best teams. I'll take I'll take the Dolphins on this one. I think that the Dolphins, regardless of how they've done against both Philly, Baltimore, and Buffalo, I think that this is their chance to redefine the game. And I think it's going to be very exciting. And I would be interested to see if the Dolphins win, not also because I have hometown stake in this game as well. Do you? Braxton Berrios, my high school. Oh, alum. how oh. could I forget? That's right. 
I'm just racking Joe Flacco, Braxton Berry. <laughs> Everybody in the NFL. Seem to have so much NFL connections. And you picked a big <laughs> game, too, to go for it. So I respect that a lot. But that's all the time we have for NFL Friday this week. The Week 18 game should be a lot of fun. We'll have the playoff picture set after this week. But that'll do it for this episode. From Evan Harkin and Maddie Vamonte, I'm Brian Rabeck saying thank you so much for listening. NFL Friday is a production of WFUV Sports. <laughs>